Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We come to you today from Williamsport. Sponsored by the Williamsport Chamber of Commerce. Just kidding. Turns out the Spikes have a double header tonight with the Cutters after last night's downpours. Sean, you witnessed them as you were driving home on 80 last night. Here, it, I'm not sure, so sure it could have rained any harder. Uh, I was cruising back into Lock Haven about 7 o'clock, and I was looking up northeast, and boy, those clouds were black. I'm thinking, well, they must be getting nailed that way. Luckily, we were... Spared in my neck of the woods, but yeah, a couple places in Lycoming County did get drenched last night. I think drenched is an understatement. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, we're, we're sitting in here last night, and Bill Albright, longtime writer, is here, and Mitch Rupert was over there as well. Mitch was actually so killing Bill, time, and <laughs> Mitch was on his Twitter account. Uh, any crosscutters question you got, send them my way. So. <laughs> right. And, and so... We're sitting here, and it, it started to clear up. I mean, it was fine. I, mean, I left State College right after the show yesterday. I'm driving up, and I get to Lock Haven. We're fine. Then I'm getting closer to Jersey Shore, and I see all these really dark, ominous clouds. I'm thinking, um, this isn't good. So I go through Jersey Shore, and it's, it really is raining hard. And I get past Jersey Shore. It's still raining hard. And I get through Woodward Township, and it's really raining. And it starts to ease up just a little bit. I get near the ballpark, and I was able to walk in and not get wet. And I thought, okay. And then it didn't rain a little bit once I got in here. But then they started working on the tarp. Now, they never did take the tarp off the field. And Bill Albright looks over and says, what do you think? And I, said, I pulled up the radar on my phone. I know, first of all, there's people driving off the road that I could pull up the radar on my phone that I'm capable of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> One of a very select few of apps you have on the phone, so I know you're capable of doing that. <laughs> yes. So, so I pull up the radar on the phone, and I said, now, see, I said, you got this little here, and they said, there's a pop-up right there. After that, we're in the clear. <laughs> Well, once again, proving that I am a sportscaster and not a weather guy, uh, because... It did stop. They squeegee off the tarp, and then the cloud, it just opened up, and it poured straight down, and there's lightning all over the place. And there's a lightning strike. I think it was just outside the ballpark. Like, everybody, whoa. So on this app, I can call up, and I you know, I have a couple of apps on there. I have AccuWeather, obviously. And I also have something else called WeatherBug on here. And one thing about the app that Weatherbug has is it does tell you how close is the nearest lightning strike. And so, uh, closest lightning strike last uh, 30 minutes is, let's see, how far away is it here? It'll tell me right now, 106 miles away. 
right now. So the closest lightning is 106 miles away. Okay. Well, when that thing hit last night, I looked at it, I said, just out of curiosity's sake, oh, I don't know, 0.0? <laughs> this is what it said, 0.0. I thought, this is just great. <laughs> that means it hit the booth. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, there's a doubleheader tonight starting at 5. So we're doing the show from Williamsport today. I We're going to have on John Bacon on the show today. And there's a lot to talk to John about. Uh, one area to talk to him about will be his new book about the life of John Saunders. Now, this project did begin when John was alive. This is not a project that John U. Bacon did when John Saunders had already passed. Um, and the book is coming out August 10th, so we're going to talk to John about that. But I think, as everyone knows, based on his book, Fourth and Long, The Fight for the Soul of College Football, John took on a project, to, and he got permission to embed himself in the Ohio State, Michigan, Northwestern, and Penn State programs. Well, the timing for the Penn State program, as we all know for him, was perfect because that's when all of this happened. So John was there at the beginning as they were scrambling to try and keep players within the program right after the sanctions. And with the fifth-year anniversary of the NCAA sanctions being announced coming up on Sunday. I thought it was a perfect time to have John on the show. We're going to talk about that with him as well. Because if you recall with the sanctions, and I briefly touched on this yesterday, when it happened, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be frank with you, in, in June, I'm sitting there in June, I'm talking about middle of late June, right? I'm doing spikes games and whatever, and and I I was feeling pretty good about the football team. I really thought that the football team, in my mind, in 2012, was going to be the favorite to win the Eastern Division. Or well, I guess what, it was the leaders' division at that time, right? It was the leaders. And I thought they were going to be the favorite to win. I just really liked, you know, how McGloin was playing at practice and the balance of a guy like Silas Red, and I really liked the defense. thought the schedule was favorable. For them, and I thought I thought they were going to win the leaders' division. This is coming out of spring practice. Well, then, yeah, I go into June. I'm still thinking the same thing, and then at the end of June, I started to hear um, this might not be as cut and dry as some people think. I said, "Well, what do you mean?" I said, uh, "There might be some trouble." Wow. Um, Okay. Well, then we found out on July the 23rd what the trouble was. And no bowl game. Must reduce down to 65. Can only get 15 in a year. It's going to last four years. And then the one where John covered it so much. The one that John covered so much in the book was when they also said you can transfer and can go anywhere you want, and you don't have to sit out. Now, I don't know if it's an unintended consequence as to what happened, but it turned this campus into a meat market. Now, eventually, 13 players left. 
And of course, you know, the one that people remember more than anybody else would be Silas Red. You know, Kyrie Fort left. He went to Cal. Uh, you know, Anthony Fair had some some extenuating circumstances. He went to Texas. Red went to USC. I mean, this is the way it played out. Um, and but this place was inundated with coaches or representatives of programs all over the place following players to class, and they had to take refuge inside the weight room just to get everybody away because you know, obviously you know that building's locked, and that's where they took refuge. And John covered all this, you know, about what Marty did, what Zordich did, what O'Brien did, what Craig Fitzgerald did. I mean, there's so many different parts to this. And what's been amazing to me in all of this, and it's something that has never been lost to me, is that the fans have stuck through this all the way. You know, not everybody did, but the vast majority did. And that's what made last year and the conversations we're having this summer so great. Because last year, Sean... I'm sitting up in that booth, and when they beat Ohio State, you know, and how it played out, but they won the game. The joy I saw in that stadium was it was like it was a release. When they beat Michigan State to win the East on that last day on Thanksgiving weekend, same thing. The joy that I saw in that stadium, just the way it got released. And then to see what they did at Lucas Oil Stadium last year and the comeback and to see that explosion of happiness in the stands on the Penn State side was an unbelievable sight and a feeling. And to see everyone gathered the way they did in the lobby of the hotel where every inch of that hotel was occupied It was just one of those on the road back, which was not an easy road. But it's also a road that I think had made James Franklin an even better coach than I already thought he was. Because I had to watch him in the first two years come up with some really clever solutions to try and get what he thought were the best players on the field when they had to work around injuries and other problems. And as I've pointed out many times, James redshirted as if he had a full 85-man roster. James disciplined because he wasn't going to compromise on discipline. He was not going to compromise on discipline. You know, well, he can maybe let something go go by because he look, we really do need all hands on deck. Nope. There are rules. You break the rule consequences and, and so he never went out in his first two years and did anything where he tried to take a shortcut in order to make his record look better to make the program's record look better now they're out there doing everything they can to make the program's record look better but when it came to, to how he redshirted how he disciplined he stayed consistent no change. And that the, today, they're doing, you know, right now, Penn State's in a different conversation. Same way. Same discipline. 
same redshirt philosophy. Everything is the same. Right, so there's no changes. And the fact that he took a long-term view of this, and then to get the payoff for it last year was remarkable. And of course, they continue to. I mean, they obviously, when you look at Ohio State and Michigan, Ohio State and Penn State, Ohio State and Penn State are the are the are the leaders in this conference when it comes to recruiting. Uh, and I mean, that's where it is. And you, you've got to be. I mean, impressed by what they did, but the way the fans stayed in it, and again, the joy that I saw in either in voice or facially or as one in the ballpark, as one in the stadium, in those three instances, Ohio State, Michigan State, both in Beaver Stadium and Lucas Oil Stadium, something I'll never forget. Something I'll never forget to see that. And I know in all the speeches I've made over the last five years, I've always started out the same way. I've always looked at all of them and said, hey, look, I just want to say thank you. Because when this came down, the world thought that eventually this would wear you down and you would abandon it. And you never did. I mean, the world thought that all of this would wear you down and you would abandon it. And again, to make a commitment to season tickets, and Penn State has 8,900 new season ticket holders this year. 8,900 new season ticket holders. And in order to do that, that's an investment in your entertainment right there. You're investing in seven games. You're investing in parking. You're investing in making sure that you're there every week by making the trip. That's that's quite a commitment. And that's, that's a great... It's been great to see, and now we're having a different conversation this summer than the previous five summers. Completely different conversations. These are the kind of conversations that we had in eight, nine, um, you know, eleven. I mean, people forget, for example, in in eleven that you know that was an eight and one football team when this all happened, and the only loss was to Alabama, and they were in a great spot. And to win the leaders' division when this whole thing happened, uh, and again, I'm talking about all these in football terms. I hope everyone understands we're doing it's a sports show, so we're doing it in, in sports terms. I think I've said enough times during the course of, of my life, but I'll always I'll always continue to say it so everyone understands. My priorities are completely straight. All right, I know what's important, you know, and what's entertainment. All right, so all right, so we all square on that. Now, this being a sports show, I'm just talking about the pure uh, road back to get here uh, and and the investment the fans have made in it. Because, I mean, the fans had nothing to do with what's going on here. They're, they're just loyal. And it really has been a remarkable story. I think it's a story that, um, you know, it's a story worth telling, you know, about a group of people that you know, had nothing to do with anything that happened before them and then came together and made something great happen in terms of something, you know, that was fun for the fans. All right, we'll take a break. John Bacon will be on later in the show. Uh, And I have to tell you something very quickly. Mm -hmm. I'm flipping around the channel this morning. Yes. Yeah, I'm checking out the weather, whatever. And I landed at one point on CNBC. I usually watch Fox Business, 
but I landed on CNBC and you know and just watched five minutes of their show this morning and guess what the topic of conversation was digital media the cutting edge of digital media and what it's going to mean <laughs> to the future of advertising in this country about the ability to target your needs as a consumer Boom. and line them up and line them up with companies that would fulfill your your consumer needs so you're waiting for our colleague down the hall to pop up on your screen Turn to the Weather Channel. We'll come back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Well, I just I got the general gist of the interview this morning. <laughs> okay. But they were talking about the future of media, which we've talked about here on the show many times. I mean, and I mean, all kidding aside, what Kevin Hur is involved in with uh, with digital media is the cutting edge of what this business is is going to be in the ne- over the next five years and moving forward. I mean, I mean, he actually is in something that is cutting edge, and we've talked about on this show. We're going to talk with Tony Knopp about this coming up on what Thursday show. Uh, about the fact that your standardized contract that we're seeing now with Fox and ESPN, that's still going to exist, CBS and Fox. That's still going to exist. But the big money potentially for leagues and for college football and college basketball is probably sitting maybe at Amazon. Maybe it's sitting at Yahoo. Maybe it's sitting at Facebook. You know, it's it might be sitting there as a as an outlet for you to watch games. And when you're looking, for example, at Amazon, which is now over a thousand dollars a share, you know that company is rolling right now. You know, the acquisition of Whole Foods, you know, has been big. Amazon has branched out to a variety of areas. And of course the NFL series what all in which uh, my friend Shannon Furman is is the producer and director of, uh, is on Amazon. They did it on the Rams last year. I've talked to Shannon probably four or five times in the past year of what she's been doing. She gets back to Penn State a lot. and But that's on Amazon. And that's where the big money is going to be. Well, that goes back to what we are talking about with what Kevin's doing at the station. Digital media, according to the experts I looked at on CNBC this morning, they said, look, being able to specialize, you know, Sean Carey likes, and here's a list, boom, that could target you and get to you through digital media so that as a consumer, they're going to you. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all 
applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Time now for this day in sports history. 1927, Ty Cobb set a major league record by getting his 4,000th career hit. He ended up with 4,191, eventually surpassed by Pete Rose. 1964, Pete Rose of the Reds hit his only Grand Slam homer in his career. 1970, Ron Hunt of the Giants was hit by a pitch for the 119th time in his career. A bruising way, by the way, to get to the record books. 1976, the ABA and the NBA merged. All right, I've got a great story for you. All right, you're going to love this story. It's about the merger. And you're talking about the greatest sports deal in the history of sports. Unbelievable. Greatest sports deal ever. Okay? In 1976, the ABA and the NBA merge. That merger means that the NBA is going to absorb the Indiana Pacers, the Denver Nuggets, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Nets, who were then in New Jersey, now in Brooklyn. So those four get absorbed. There are two other franchises. One is the Kentucky Colonels, which, by the way, had established some level of success playing at, uh, at Freedom Hall. They had Artis Gilmore and Louis Dampier and some, some pretty good players. Dan Nissel had been with them. And John Y. Brown, who at that point was the one that was running uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, was the owner of the team. And what they did in the NBA was they offered either you can come in or we'll give you $3.3 million. Well, John Y. Brown took the $3.3 million and disbanded the franchise. He then took the $3.3 million, and eventually he bought the Buffalo Braves. They had Bob McAdoo, Ernie DiGregorio, Bob Kaufman. He bought them, and then eventually, with Irv Levin, who was owning the Celtics, they swapped franchises. Levin became the owner of the Braves. Brown became the owner of the Celtics, much to the chagrin of... Red Auerbach, who eventually Brown got out and Auerbach had more control. Levin took the Braves and moved them to San Diego to be the Clippers, and then Levin sold the Clippers to Donald Sterling. And then, of course, he moved them to Los Angeles, and you know how that story turned out. All right, so there's the $3.3 million that Kentucky took. Then there's the Spirits of St. Louis. And you know the story about the Spirits of St. Louis. They're, I mean, really, the most famous person they had in the franchise was probably their play-by-play guy, Bob Costas. 
and they had Marvin Tire Iron Barnes on the team. They had to make a they had to make a flight one time from the Eastern Time Zone to the Central Time Zone to get back into St. Louis. I think it was from Memphis to St. Louis. And the flight was going to leave at 11 a.m. and arrive at like 10:40 a.m. And Barnes wouldn't get on the plane. And they said, "Well, what's your problem?" He said, "No, I'm not getting on that plane." They said, "What are you talking about?" He says, "Look, it leaves at 11 and arrives at 10:40." He says, "He says I don't get on a time machine." This is how bizarre this place was. Well, the Silna brothers own the Spirits of St. Louis, so they're offered the 3.3 million dollar deal. They say no. So what they did was they cut a unique deal that gave them one seventh of the future television revenue of the four of the uh, four remaining ABA teams. Now, it was a deal that the NBA thought would get the Silna brothers out of their hair, and it turned out to be an incredibly long-range marriage. Here's what happened. In 76, they make this deal for one-seventh of the money that the four ABA teams were going to get, future-wise. Well, what happened was that Larry Bird and Magic Johnson happened. The NBA Finals during the week were on tape delay. Weekends, they were live, the NBA Finals. Even in Magic's first year, they're playing. I mean, that when they clinched the championship, the night Magic had to play center when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was hurt, that game was on tape delay. When Bird won his first title with the Celtics in '81 against Houston, it's on tape delay. Same thing in '82, '83. Didn't finally go live till '84. Well, now it starts to take off. Now it starts to take off. CBS gets a longer deal. Magic and Bird do their deal. Then NBC gets involved, and then guess what? Guess what happens? Well, the next part that happens in all this is that NBC, with Michael Jordan, takes off and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And there have been there were two times there are two times in all of this where they tried to cut the deal off. The NBA at one point in the early 90s offered the Silna brothers $8 million over five years to end it. And the Silna brothers said, no, we're going to keep going. No, we don't have to end it. They then made, and the NBA walked away. Then they offered him another deal, like, well, I don't know, 10 years later? Even more than that. I think it was like 2000. They walked away. So, 43 years, the Silver Brothers refused to take a cash buyout. They haven't played a game. There's no front office to pay. There are no players to pay. There's no coach to pay. Nothing. But they keep getting checks every year. Now, Ozzy Silna is now in his 80s. Daniel Silna is around 70. 
And what they did was they garnered um, $300 million over the years from this. $300 million. And finally, the NBA, right before the current contract, the one that's now giving the league $2.4 billion, okay, decided to finally cash out. Uh, and they brokered a $500 million settlement to end the deal. Now, coupled with the money they've already collected and other considerations, guess what they ended up with? Sean, how much money do you think the Silner brothers got for not fielding a team? you got to add in the $500 million settlement. They ended up getting in excess of $1 billion. It's so I mean, and the bottom line is, I mean, the NBA did not want the Sildens to join. That's why they. That's why they brokered this deal. Okay, they brokered the deal because the NBA. They really didn't want them. They didn't want St. Louis. All right, but they brokered the deal one seventh of each team's NBA broadcast revenue in perpetuity. So in 1980, the Silna brothers got $521,000. In 86-87, the annual payment exceeded $1 million. In 99-2000, the brothers received more than $10 million. In 2010-2011, the brothers received $17.5 million. So... They had picked up, as I mentioned earlier, more than $300 million to that point. And then they finally brokered this deal for $500 million. So that gets them to $800 million, but there are other considerations that take them over a billion. In 2009, the Silna brothers filed a suit in federal court. They argued under the definition of media revenue. Uh, that they were entitled to digital and international revenues as well. And, I mean, the four a- the four former ABA teams are trying to get out of this somehow because they know that they were had their hands tied by this. And the new TV contract was coming up in 2016, which eventually would get them... Um, $2.4 billion. Now, if they'd kept the current agreement in place, you know how much money the Sildens would have picked up this year from the agreement? How about $36 million for doing nothing? So now they decided to settle. So why'd they settle? Well, one of the brothers said, look, he says, I got five children, three grandchildren. He says, I'm 81. I'm not going to live another 25 years. And it's really one of the great stories in, in in sports in terms of money. It's right up there with the Bobby Bonilla deal. You know about the Bobby Bonilla deal, right? Yeah, he gets paid 
every July 1st for, what, at least another, what, how many more years? Till 2035. <laughs> Something like just a shade over a million bucks? One million one hundred ninety-three thousand dollars every July first for doing nothing. Zero. It's unbelievable, and and you know what the cause of that was? The Bernie Madoff scandal. Uh, Fred Wilpon, the Mets owner, got deeply involved into it thinking he was going to get all this money from Madoff and trusted him. And Wilpon ended up losing between 300 and $600 million in the process. And he thought the deal he'd made with Bonilla was going to pay such great dividends over the years. And it turns out the Mets are on the hook till 2035 paying this guy $1,193,000 every July 1st. Needless to say, the Mets have on file the direct deposit number for Benia's account. Every July 1, he gets that check. Every July 1, he's replenished. And it's going to stay that way till 2035. In the end, he ends up with, I think, $29.5 million. It's remarkable. And Wilpon thought, hey, all right, good. We did a good job of handling that. Well, you know, and he thought, with the revenue coming in through his Madoff deal, that actually in the end it was going to be it was going to pay off for them, and because they were able to spread out payments and not do lump sum and things like that, and that it was going to work out for the franchise. In the end, it turned out the Madoff thing was a Ponzi scheme. Wilpon lost a lot of money. Eventually, had to sell the club, and. And Benia gets this check every July 1st. So the Silna brothers are number one. I mean, when you garner a billion dollars right, for doing zilch, I mean, nothing. No front office, no players. I mean, you know, their, their team, I mean, the, the Spirits of St. Louis, they had them for a couple of years. I mean, they had Moses Bologna on that team. They had Maurice Lucas. They had Marvin Bad News Barnes. So, the NBA wanted to exclude them. So, since they wanted to exclude them and told them, look, you're not being invited to the party, but we have to negotiate with you, these two guys came up with a way to make it work. And initially, what would seem like a second or third tier deal behind what Major League Baseball and the NFL has done, and at the time, it's from 76 until 83. The first few years of that, yeah, they're getting money, they're getting checks, but the national TV deal's not that big. Then CBS jumped in huge with Bird and Magic, and then NBC jumped in huge with Michael Jordan, and away it went. And the Silver Brothers made out really well, just like Bobby Bonilla made out really well. It's amazing. Silver Brothers, Bobby Benia, suit.
We'll come back with more in a moment. John Bacon, next half hour. Under the category of let's have some fun, Peter King, a Monday morning quarterback on SI.com, was able to get 11 other people together, like Ron Wolf and Bill Polian and Ernie Accorsi and Gil Brandt and others along the way, some Hall of Fame voters, to do a draft. Joel Bursett, Vice President of Player Personnel, Dan Fouts, Rick Goslin, longtime pro football columnist, Joe Horgan from the Hall of Fame, Bob McGinn uh, covering the Packers, uh, John uh, Turney from Pro Football Journal, John Wooten, who was in the NFL for 10 years, mostly with the Browns, and a uh, longtime NFL scout for 23 years. And they wanted to do a mock draft of all time. And the first overall pick, believe it or not, was Lawrence Taylor. And Tom Brady was not picked until the eighth pick overall in the draft. The fourth overall pick in the draft was punter Ray Guy. Uh, The third overall pick was Johnny Unitas. Jack Ham was the 39th overall pick. Pretty good when you're talking about 300 players in the history of the game. Jack was the 39th overall pick. What was odd about this draft, when you read it, and again, this is all fun, it's, you know, let's not get too serious here, uh, is that I would have assumed that quarterbacks would have gone right away first 12 picks. Let's get the quarterback. And that's not that's not what happened. Hey, Lawrence Taylor was first. Joe Green was picked second. Unitas was third. Ray Guy fourth. Anthony Munoz was fifth. Jim Brown was sixth. Reggie White seventh. Don Hudson was eighth. Okay, taken before Jerry Rice. Tom Brady nine. Otto Graham ten. Joe Montana eleven. John Elway twelve. Then the second round it was Roger Staubach. Then uh, the great defensive end, uh, Gino Marchetti from the Colts. Deacon Jones. Then Kellen Winslow. Jerry Rice was 17th. Walter Payton was 18th. Then Ronnie Lott. Peyton Manning was 20. Gail Sears, 21. Barry Sanders, 22. And O.J. Simpson, 23. Lenny Moore, the former Nittany Lion, 24. All right. Then they get to the third round. And in the third round, Bruce Smith, Bob Lilly, Dick Butkus, Ray Nitschke, Ed Reed, John Hanna from the Patriots was 30, Leroy Selman, 31, William Lanier, Jack Lambert was 33, Merlin Olson, 34, Alan Page, 35, and Ray Lewis, 36. Then in the fourth round, Randy White was 37, Deion Sanders, 38, and Jack Ham was t- picked by Rick Goslin, 39th overall. Then Jan Stenerud. Larry Allen, Derek Thomas Jr. say out. Joe Schmidt with the Lions. Night Train Lane is taken by Peter King. Earl Campbell, 46. Jim Thorpe, 47. Mary Montley, 48. Uh, this went on for how many rounds? 17 rounds? Maybe more? That's more. 21, 22, 23. 24 rounds. 25 rounds. Yeah, finally got to the. 25th round, and the last player taken overall 
which would not be, in this case, Mr. Irrelevant, would be Steve Van Buren of the Philadelphia Eagles, taken by Ernie Accorsi. They then had to select coaches. Vince Lombardi went first. Bill Walsh was picked second. Marv Levy and Tony Dungy in a combo picked by Bill Poley in third. Chuck Knoll was picked fourth. Don Shula, fifth. Joe Gibbs, sixth. Tom Landry, seventh. And Bill Belichick was the eighth coach off the board. Then Don Coriel was nine. Paul Brown, ten. Curly Lambeau, 11. And John Madden was 12. One of those fun, meaningless lists. Your home for the Phillies. News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. This is WKOK Sunbury.